You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Good afternoon, Sid Talk. Good afternoon, Good listeners. Afternoon. Good afternoon, listeners. I'm not listening to you. I can't hear them. I can't speak for them. Uh, so what was that before the after the show discussion, before we get going at Mm, there wasn't much except for me saying what I think would solve all human problems. Uh, gonna... Which it, it divulge, it's not even my advice. It's just additional wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> that every human, right? We need to, okay, this is a radical um, addition to what I was just saying that I didn't mention before. Uh, and people are going to disagree with it. And that's fine. But I'm just saying it could solve all our problems. Every human needs to be genetically modified and technically enhanced so that every single human that exists now and that will ever exist knows how to do everything. Every single human knows how to grow every bit of food, how to um, climb every mountain, how to build everything, how to engineer anything that they want or need from any resource to understand it all. What about ballet dancing? Do they everything. Need to do that? Every, everything needs to be programmed in like Neo. You know, just like down, jack it in and get the fuck over it. And that way... Like I was, my example was, if I'm over here on rocky soil and I'm kind of a dickhead and the people over there on the fertile soil know how to grow their own food, I'm not just a jerk with a rock that can bully them into growing my food for me or take over their land. I go, you know what? I live on this rocky soil. How do I grow food in my rocky soil? Think- or how do I learn to negotiate... I think it's in human nature, though. Even if that was the case, they'd still want to go and bully. There would always be an asshole, yeah. yeah. But that yeah. needs to be that needs to come out, right? We see we, if we can generate, we can modify and put all this other stuff in. <laughs> so actually, it's just an idea that if you learn to understand that you are not capable of doing everything, but that in order to survive and have a relatively comfortable life, you don't need to be a dickhead. So. This you can week, learn to negotiate with other people and not be a jerk. So this week, double... Um, double wisdom. Double advice. Yeah, that either, is kind of either modify everyone, so yes. we're all good at everything, or everybody just get over yourself. Stop bullshitting everybody about what you believe is supposed to be right and how the universe fucking came to be and all that shit. You've made, so many, that... You've made many swear words and we've only just started. <laughs> well, it annoys the shit out of me. I can't help it. I just think that and on every level, people try to be... I don't know. There's always an asshole. And they think they know everything. And they they deserve more than they deserve. They they think, I don't know, and it just bugs the crap out of me. So that's it. Okay, so uh, moving on to the show. This is after the show. We're a show. <laughs> we're a show about movies. Yeah, we're a movie podcast. Not about my uh, infinite wisdom of the universe. We review movies and occasionally we dispense wisdom. Not always good, not always And not the best. always we, mostly no. just me. So <laughs> it is Saturday, March the twenty first, and this is the three hundred and sixty seventh edition of After the Show. We're gonna be reviewing a movie this week, as every week. And the movie is The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, which is the third Hobbit movie. And this is a 2014 release. It's released on Blu-ray, actually, this upcoming Tuesday. So we're doing a little early review here, but you can pick it up on Tuesday. It's PG-13 from our friends at Warner Brothers. And Sid Talk, give us the synopsis 
of The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies. I think you just did. <laughs> yeah, this, there's a battle it's and a there's battle five armies. Of five, I couldn't figure out what the five different armies were exactly. Let's I know, go, I'm going to go sound like them. an idiot when we get to talking let's about this. Let's go through this. them. Okay. The, the synopsis is there's a big battle. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and then the Hobbit goes home. Let's go through the five armies. Okay, Dwar- uh, let me let me name the ones I know. We got the dwarves, and the elves, and the humans, and the orcs. Who's the other one? Because the orc guy the is in charge those of everything. The other ones that come. But the one guy's in charge of all of them. Yeah, I don't know what they're called. The iron something, or they are different. No, those are dwarves. Oh yeah, they're still dwarves, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. See. The orc guy on top of the hill is in charge of not only the guys who come for the ground because of the worms, but also because of with his guys. Now, in the logos of the five armies, one of them is like Soren's weird. I was going to say unless it's Soren. but he never he yeah. never joins the party. No, then well, I can then I can remember. I don't know. No, it's he all blurred he together. Join, for he me. doesn't join the party in this particular battle. No, me not fully understanding Lord of the Rings world is no impact on how valuable my my advice is to you <laughs> in life. It confuses me, these movies. I don't know why. So this is the third Hobbit movie, and we've been watching the uh, last two. Um, And we've reviewed them both. You can go back and listen to them both. Um, We kind of like them, I think. Um, They're fun. Yeah. Now, this is my take on on The Hobbit. I see this as one big movie anyway, like these three movies together. You... You don't really want to watch one of them without the others. It's one big story. In this situation, I agree with you. Yeah. They do depend on one another because it's one big story. Totally. And and this one literally picks up seconds after the last one ended. And, you know, there's not really much context. It's like, this is happening now. You better get into it again. Um, so here's my take on these movies. They are epic on a grand scale. You can't deny that. They're, they're, a bigger, they're big, big action movies, um, you know. This, they're impressive, in a way. Uh, but? <laughs> um, you know, but what, how I feel about the... And I did enjoy this movie for what it is. I don't think there's a lot of depth to this particular one. It's like a big fight. <laughs> it's like, like a lot of it is fighting. Not much talking. It's very um, action-based. And, you know, that's cool. And the special effects going on. And it is really... But I feel personally, and I was a fan of the first three Lord of the Rings movies, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I was a fan of that. I, I, I think it's really good and memorable. Still remember it to this day. I think I've got Middle Earth fatigue. That's mm. that's how I would describe it. Right. And this movie, as grandiose and exciting as it all was, it was kind of a bit flat. Like I, I was watching the big battle, going, I feel like I've seen this battle four times already. Like watching these other Don't films. Don't you mean six? Altogether, that'd be number six. There's battles in every one of them, isn't there? Yeah. So I feel like I've seen a battle. I know what a Peter Jackson battle is going to be. It's going to be. Is is the lineup of is some dudes coming from this side? Is some dudes coming from this side? In this particular one, there's five. You know, there's more sides, I guess. But you know, it didn't feel much different to the. You know, the um, battle in the end of the the third Lord of the Rings movie, the big one where Legolas is doing his yeah. This one felt a bit like that one to me, and it, you know, it, in the future, like in a few years' time, I think they'll all be just blurred together in my head. And I, I think that's what... the third one. That's the, the two towers, one, right? It? What? It, yeah, the two towers. The second one, right? Yeah, but, yeah. second. 
that big battle that they have where there's like beasts yeah. and everything. This battle reminded me of that battle. It didn't really seem any different. My favourite battle out of all of them still is Helm's Deep because it felt dirty and bloody. And none of these do. They feel quite sterile. Like There's no blood or anything. It's just The Hobbit's less bloody than the other three movies because it feels a bit more like they're trying to go family friendly with it. Not much... But yeah, this one felt a bit... I was watching it and I was like, yeah, there's special effects and I love all this stuff. But I feel like I've seen these battles. Like, it, I don't need 45 minutes of fighting anymore. Because yeah. I would rather have more backstory and dialogue, actually. So I just feel like I got a bit of fatigue from the whole Hobbit thing. I also think that he didn't necessarily need to have three movies for this again like it, it just it felt extent and they're making more that are extended again i feel like no, this... they're not making more they have extended versions yeah of three. there's if you get the three extended versions of this trilogy you know it'll be another hour and a half added to it all i don't know if i could take it like i, I would i would kind so of that means you don't like it enough otherwise you would like it or you would like it enough to watch it all um, in what more? Yeah, well, yeah, I'm not that big a fan of it. I'm not... This, this trilogy in particular. I like the extended cuts of the first movies. I actually think they made it better. Maybe this will make this better. Because I think this movie in particular, the Army's one, just felt shallow. Like, I know it was yeah. trying to wrap the whole thing up. And, like, we've got to... But you know what? The, towards the end of the movie, there was, you know, big fight and then fight between these two and a big face off between these two and then these two and I, you know what it felt like a video game where they were like it, you were at the end of a video game and I play a lot of video games and you know you've got to have the face off between him and him because that's what this is all about and you've got to have the face off and it just felt like a, a series of face offs between two different characters Legolas doing his weird rubbery uh, anti-gravity maneuvers and you know it was all I was like you know and I often complain about video games, like they're just too over the top. You know, sometimes there is no gravitas or anything in a video game because it's just all about killing stuff and getting you to the next action bit. This is how this movie felt. Like, we just got to... It's action. Now, there was... At the beginning of this film, the, you know, I say I turn to you. Like, the movie starts, there's like a 15-minute action sequence involving Smog or Smaug. And then it says The Hobbit, The Battle of the Five Armies, like the title card comes up. That opening sequence was fantastic, I thought. It's it's a it's a dragon sequence, it's exciting, it's like immediately exciting. I was totally in the movie like it was It's just an exciting scene, like watching a dragon like swoop over with the flames coming down and you know, it's not really a spoiler because it happens in the first few minutes. See, but that's part of the problem for me with this movie is you blow your wad on the most interesting I think that's aspect. the best part, yeah. Not really just is. the best part of the thing. It's the it's the best part of the entire Hobbit story to me. The dragon. Well, not just that it's a dragon, but that the idea that it doesn't really matter. I mean, obviously he's vulnerable to whatever, but that it all starts with that, right? Well, kind of. Yeah, I'm confused about their origins of the story. But yeah, that the dragon takes over the mountain, the dwarfs get kicked out, and then and everybody's already kind of pissy and, meh, you know, everybody's getting along. And <laughs> the dwarfs want their mountain back. And I just find him, because he's sort of like above it all, almost, 
Still vulnerable, though. I don't like that. I think he should have been impenetrable, but... Yeah, see, see, another thing is, like, the whole second, the middle movie of these movies was the, the desolation of Smaug, right? It was, a, it, was the, it was the dragon's movie. It was the... And it was, if you like the dragon, you see him a lot in that movie. There's there was no decimation, was there? Desolation. Desolation. Because <laughs> he's on his own, right? So, <laughs> right. Just for, for a long time, right? So, But that's the dragon movie. And then this movie, I know it's not, you know, he appears in it, but they, like yeah. you say, it's, it's very brief and then you're done with the dragon that they built up two movies they built up that dragon. We feel more visceral... Not fear, but more because it's a total CGI world. It's it's not like when you're watching the blue people in the Avatar. Movie. Avatar. It's not like that where you're completely immersed and convinced that's a world, even though you know it's CGI. You're, the front of your mind is like, this is real. In this movie, everything that is CGI looks CGI to me. Very polished, very hyper. It has like not a gold real. kind of glow, glow around everything. Not just that, but like everything is too. It's not. It's just obvious. So that I'm not afraid of him because he's not like realish to me. It's kind of cartoony-ish. But I feel the threat of him more than the orcs and the other guy and Soren and the bat the ring. Any of it. I don't know why, but he's most he's the most like makes you go, shit, like if that guy <laughs> if he comes over your town and burps all over you, I was fire, that's it. Orcs have to, like, battle their way through you. Or Soren has to make up his own hordes to come battle their way through you. Everybody has to work at it. He can just, like... Unlike the other five uh, five movies, you know, and this is a brand new movie in 2014-2015. It's not horrible, the CGI. And I said to you, it's... And I said this in the last movie, too. Pretty bad. It's just uneven, like... There's there's moments where you're like, holy shit, look what we can do. I mean, he... The dragon looks good, like, when he's talking I don't just... I, I mean, the like battle that. sequence. Like, you'll look at... Occasionally. Just occasionally. And it's more, more so the bad side. But the good side. Occasionally, you'll look at the battle sequence and go, holy crap, look how many people there are there fighting. It just looks like a real battle. And then... Ever so... it, I'm in it. And then for a split second, some rubbery monster walks across. And I'm like, holy shit, there's a rubbery monster. And it totally takes my mind off it being awesome. Yeah. And there's a lot of it. Whenever anybody in this movie, whenever anybody's riding on the back of an animal, the animal just looks ridiculous. All of them. Like, we know how animals move. The animals in this world don't move like any animals we ever knew. Yeah. (laughs) Like when when a kid takes a toy dinosaur and does this with with it. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And the guy's... guys, Riding a reindeer or a moose or whatever it is, like, and we know how a moose moves, and and, and we, I, I know we don't know Middle Earth. Maybe the moose do move funky in Middle Earth, but it don't move like any moose I've ever seen. It moves like a seed. Every, it's those things that take me out of this movie. And why we we have movies like the Avengers nowadays, where like we you believe that the Hulk is there and somebody's flying through the through the air. It's like realistic looking. This movie. And this whole series, to be honest, all six movies, has some dodgy CGI in it. Agree. The parts with Legolas in this movie are horrible. Like, where he's fighting on that broken stone bridge and the, the stones are like... Like, you know that movie that we saw the trailer for this week? Pixels. Where all the blocks... Yeah. Are, yeah, it reminded me of that. I was like... He, he's walking on this rock bridge and he's fighting and he's defying gravity. It's like, it's like all of a sudden he became a superhero and he can like... <laughs> Well, he's Legolas. 
yeah, but it's a bit crazy what he's doing. And I'm like, wow, there's no way he could have clambered up there. There's also a scene in this movie that I thought was the worst scene I've ever seen in the movie. And they were going up a mountain on, on horseback or pigback or whatever. And it was, do you remember? Yes. And the camera pans really far out and you see them kind of going up like sheer, like, like this, yeah. like it, and I was like, "How are they even going up there?" It's well, they're like cool. mountain goats, which can't. Yeah, do but that. it but it looked silly. Yeah, it then. just looked like uh, if I was animating this, I would have had them not go that steep because it looks weird. Like it just <laughs> looks weird. But there's a lot of that in this movie. But then also, there's also a lot of wow, that is awesome. Like I, I love some of the trolls and stuff because you know trolls. I guess we've never seen a troll in real life, so I can forgive them for like. No, I can't them. forgive it because you know it still looks like I, a rubber I like that monster. one with the kind of ugly face, the kind of the kind the of orcs. S- you mean? Are the trolls the big guy? The big troll, medium. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's like the medium ones that they throw in the middle of the battle. There's one yeah. that comes in and fights. But they still look like a big CGI rubbery thing. Like they said. do, but I did like some of the designs on those trolls. They were cool. They looked like they'd been through battles. They were scary. If you made a whole movie. Of all those kinds of CGI creatures, with no humans, real humans at all, then you could get away with it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, like, they've got metal. The orcs, I mean, have, like, metal coming out of them and, like, The orcs are really good. I think the orcs are good in this movie. But when you look at it, the orcs are not a lot of CG. They're mostly makeup, and that's why it looks better. True. There's a lot of makeup heads on the orcs and everybody else's. And everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, now, another thing... You know that stuck out to me here is what was going on with Billy Connolly's character. Now, there's this big battle going on, and Billy Connolly turns up, and he's the he's a cousin of one of the dwar- of the dwarfs. No, he's a t- cousin of the king. He's a cousin Thor. of the king dwarf. Yeah. Um. And Billy Connolly's character, as far as I could tell, and I was really looking closely, I was like, there's something weird about him because everybody <laughs> knows Billy Connolly's voice as soon as it comes out of him. I yep. was like, oh yeah, there's Billy Connolly. I didn't even know he was in it, but I knew the voice. But what was the deal with the... Why... Like, he's a dwarf, and he's a CG... It seems like he's CG. And 100%. he looks like... He looks, he looks like Billy Connolly, but it's CG, right? He looks 100%... But nobody creative. else is. Like, it's... I didn't get it. Like, even when he's talking to his, like, cousin, who's a real guy, it still looked... I, I don't... Was it... I, I, had, I looked it up and couldn't find anything about it. But, um... I was thinking, could Billy Connolly not be in it, maybe? And they could—they only had his voice, and then they just modelled him and to put him in there. But it seemed a bit weird. I couldn't find nothing about it. I mm. looked it—I looked it up for about half an hour. I just couldn't find nothing aside from some people saying, uh, "Could Looks Bill, like it, yeah. could he not turn up for this movie? Did they have to just, you know?" So that was a weird thing. I think I—I I, what I actually thought was maybe they're trying some. Look at this one little blurb and. I just looked it up. So on, like, Sherlockology, one little thing is, an army of dwarves led by a curiously CGI Billy Conley. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're not the only ones to notice. Now, what I was thinking, maybe, and they do like to push technology on these movies, um, like they said on one of the extras we watched, when they made Gollum, they didn't even know whether the CG was up to being able to make him, like, to work properly. And they're always trying really new things with the Lord of the Rings. Um... So I was thinking maybe they were trying to do a fully CG human, well, dwarf person character, and it just didn't quite work because it doesn't work. I don't think. But it works for them, or they wouldn't put it in there, right? I think he's. I think. I think Peter Jackson's standards are really low because he's impressed and he's entertained and he, 
He loves the people he's around like, so he appreciates what they've done, and he doesn't have a critical eye when he sits back and watches it after they've done I just don't think he does. Or he just doesn't care. Like... No, I think he really cares. No, I watched I some interviews with him this week. He doesn't care that you and I are sitting here saying that they look rubbery. Is what I'm saying. He doesn't care. He looks at it and goes, awesome. He likes it the way it is. He doesn't sit there at home a month later going, oh my god, that guy looked rubbery and Billy Conley was CGI. He doesn't, he's fine with it, apparently. And it, the interesting thing is, and I don't want to trash these, this movie at all, really, because they are really fun. If you like, you know, there's a lot of action. Um, but this one in particular, for me, it didn't go down as well as the last one just because there was not much story to it. It was really, We've, well, this is this is how it's kind of structured. We'll wrap up. We'll wrap up the end of the last movie. In fact, the first fifteen minutes of this yeah. movie could have been the end of the last movie. They could have actually absolutely left, put them on that one. Absolutely, and then that story would be over with. So we. This is how this movie's structured. We've we're going to wrap that up for you, and then we're going to have forty-five minutes of a lead into this big battle. We're going to tell you why we're going to have to have this big battle. Then the battle is going to occur, and then it's going to end with a, the ending kind of loops it around so you can go and watch the Lord of the Ring trilogy. Kinda. Yeah. To me, kinda. I mean, really, it, it, it's a small branch, but it's like, oh yeah, okay. The setting... There's probably more than we noticed, I'd yeah, say. Well, I noticed like two or three things, that's it really. But it does loop it around nicely, I thought. I did like the ending of it. It wasn't as... I didn't understand, though. Why is it that in, in an instant, if you run the orcs off, you think they're not just going to turn around and come back? I don't get it. I don't understand the mind of this war theme. You've driven them off, but there's thousands of them. They just went away for a minute. Why Why are you then like, ah, we can have our mountain now. They'll regroup and come back ten years later or whatever. Like or like in, five not, minutes like in real later, world. they're orcs. They don't give a shit. They, there's no reason for them to run anyway, which is also kind of weird. Like, they're orcs. They have nothing to do except warmongering. So the fact that any of them were alive... Well, they do they follow battle uh, plans and stuff. They don't... They're about, like, num- war in numbers, so they would go off and regroup and then come back. Who knows how long that takes? I don't know. They would come back, though. Exactly. So it so could be 20 could years be, later. It could, could be, be a day. Well, I don't know if they could We just multiply. don't... We're not there to see it, but I just thought that was, like, a ridiculous... It's like... A, okay, I'm going to say this and it sounds sexist. It's a very man ending. Like, yep... Here we go, we did it. We won the battle. Everything's fine now forever and ever. And while your enemy's lurking over there, like, okay, now when can we attack them next? Like- I was happy with the ending, and I would like, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, I would actually like to watch Middle Re- Middle Earth's um, saga now, you know, the three movies, because it does... This- Middle Earth? Yeah, you know, the the Middle Earth chapter of the, the Lord that? of the Rings one. The, the three movies we've already seen. Yet. Oh, that's yeah. Middle Earth. They're the Middle Earth saga in um, Tolkien's work. Okay. And this is just The Hobbit, which is another short story that he wrote. But um, this is a, this is a feeling I also had. Um, this like the Star Wars, like Star Wars, you know, like George Lucas went back and tried to recapture the magic and didn't quite capture it, even. For diehard Star Wars fans. You know, he didn't quite capture it. Right. I feel like this Hobbit trilogy also did this, didn't quite catch it either. Didn't quite capture the magic of the first trilogy. You know, we'd never seen anything like it when the middle, when the Lord of the Rings movies came out. Mm. It was like mind-blowing. You'd sit there and you, you were watching it and you were like, 
holy crap, this is but then, epic. And then Game of Thrones came along. But then you watch it again and you're like, oh my god. But now we have things like Game of Thrones on television that actually trumps Peter Jackson's Totally. Role. I mean... The last episode of the last season of Game of Thrones, the one where they're on the wall and there's big monsters and there's like, mm-hmm. and, and it's like an actually like watching a movie. It's not like a TV show anymore. It's like, I mean, this is not the top tier of believability, 100%. It, still. But it's better than yes. what, what Peter Jackson pulls off. And that's a television show, you know, so. We've come a long way also, like when we can watch a game, a game of Thrones on the television. So the Hobbit really has to impress to, for me to make me impressed again. And it really doesn't like it's just like okay, you know when this was ending and they were wrapping it up and I said to you oh they were kind of tying it in like again oh to the other one, I was like yeah you should go and watch the other ones because they're the better movies it's the better story for me hmm. the story's more interesting of the One Ring than this story this story to me is always has been The Hobbit. It's a hodgepodge of a couple of different ideas strung together, whereas the other one is like a really big epic story. So I see them the same. And this one is... And they're almost the same anyway, aren't they? This one's hobbits walking on a journey, and this one's dwarves going on a journey. They're almost the same. There's always a hobbit. <laughs> There's always a hobbit. Yeah, but I'm saying this one's got a, a band of dwarves, and that one's got a band of hobbits, right? Is And they've got it... They, they've... Well, I don't see it that way at all. See, that is the group of all the different things. They start off in, um, you know, they start off in the Shire and they'll end up in the Shire. Like, both both sets of movies are the same thing, right? So they're not different, really. That's what you're... Yeah, so I'm saying they're not... You said they're different, that that one's better. This To me, they're the same. No, that one's better. I The story, the, the bad guys are more memorable. The whole thing is more memorable, the first... Yeah, I think, unfortunately, that the Sauron... Thing. Yeah, it's... In this one, it's very under... I mean, it's... I get it. It's... We're getting a hint yeah. that the darkness is coming. Right? The ring is hidden, and once he gets the ring, then he can rule everything. I get that. That, that is the whole story. Yeah. The big story from the all of it, right? But in these, he's... We're cheated out of a really dark... Plus, we don't ever get a vision, even in this, we don't get a vision of what Soren's objective is. When you're like an all-seeing, all-knowing, dark entity, why do you want to rule the world? Like, what do you, What then? Because you, you can have, like, people give you a massage? Whatever. I don't understand what's your objective. Why well, that never is clear to me other than he's just bad. Like, he's just this big, bad, evil... Right, well, if you take over the world and make everybody evil, what's the point? I guess then you're satisfied. Whereas the orcs have an objective. They like war. He gets off on war. That's it. They get off on it. I get it. The elves, they're kind of warmongery as well, a little bit. Not so much in Lord of the Rings, but now we can see them as warriors. They only fight if they want, if they have to, though. They're not like, oh, we've got to fight everybody. Like, like the orcs just want to fight people, right? The elves are like, if, right. we're, if we're in danger, we'll fight back. But we're not actually there to... We actually like peace. In fact, there's one scene in this actual movie where you can see that he's, like, conflicted with this battle. He's like, okay, we've... You know, when he's saying there's too much blood been shed, yeah, he's yeah. like... These are all my people dying. We can walk away and we can go to Rivendale Rivendale, and be fine. And you can see him conflicted. He's like, I don't, we don't need to be doing this. This is. I feel like they tried to make that guy, I forget his name, 
Legolas's father, right? Yeah. If I'm right. They kind of made him a Data character from Star Trek, almost like he's devoid of emotion because she says to him, you don't know what love is, and he kind of he makes is, that yeah, clear yeah. until he says to Legolas about his mother, but like he's, he's he has no nothing. He's empty, like no compassion, no anything other than to uphold the elven thing. He did feel for his people, though, in that scene when at he was looking end, down at all the bodies. I think he was more pissed off. Yeah. You know? The, this had to, it has to come to this. Like, it's just... But, um... Yeah, there is... If you pick it apart, theme by theme, idea and character by character, you, it gets deeper. You can see what it is, you know, but it's still pretty shallow. Uh, forbidden love, you know, we've got in the Lord of the Rings, we have the elf and the, um, what's his face, you know. And we find out in the in the extended scenes, he's not even like totally human, is he? I forget his name. Not, was it Aragon? Yeah. Yeah, he's not even totally human, which you don't, I wouldn't know unless I watched the extended one. So that's the un- that's the forbidden love in that series. And we have another one here where it's the elven lady and the dwarf guy. So you have that. That's pretty basic. But they do a good job of making you care, making me care anyway. I cared about that. The other theme is darkness is coming. And we all over here, we all have our differences. But if we allow the darkness to come, they'll, it'll kill us all. So we have to defend ourselves. Like that's a pretty basic theme, but. When you break it down to each individual thing, it's more interesting than the movie is. True. And another problem I had here in The Hobbit, and this is just, this is a general complaint over the three films. And we did, when we reviewed the first film, I did say to you, there's too many of the dwarves. It's hard to get a handle on who's who and why I care about particular ones. They didn't focus in on them enough. In the second movie, they kind of fixed that a little bit by focusing on a couple of them, so you'd have them in your head of like, oh, I like him, I like him. Now, in this one, uh, semi-spoiler, there are some deaths of main dwarves, and I felt nothing for any of them. I know. Like, nothing. If I was supposed to be sad, and some of the major, you know, some of the ones that you're like, oh, no, it didn't do anything for me. And, And that was like where I was going... If that in the first one, where if Pippin or you know, like mm-hmm. I, I, I knew if Samwise Gamgee bit the dust, yeah, like, I like cared uh... for them all. Like, <laughs> I cared for them, like everybody, even Gandalf, in the first set. In this set, there's like just it's all mudges together, and I had no care for any of the characters. And you know why? Because Peter Jackson likes to do forty-five minutes of battle sequences and not have twenty minutes of them talking, like. Or developing their, you know. Because they really hardly develop the dwarves. Not at all. Yeah. Even with the end, when we're seeing them all stand there, I was like. Yeah, like which you one's could, which? You I'm... could not exist. No. You could all have died in the second one, and I don't know the difference, but I, you know. Why did they all stand there at the end and not say anything? Like, why? They just went. Yeah. It's it was like... Like, this is my thought. Okay, you guys all showed up yeah. to film this movie. Yeah. And I don't know that any of them spoke, other than the older guy. He talked a little bit. So yeah. him, I got a little more understanding. He's feeling tormented because his king is falling to this madness, the dragon sickness. And he just, he represents the dwarf mind of, we just want our place back and get our lives back. So I almost was like, okay, I want more of this old guy. Because he seems like the yeah, reason. He's cool. And then, nothing. The dwarfs barely spoke in this movie, aside from the king. Um, and the two yeah, but the one love interest. Like, guy. like in the last movie, they were all you know, they were a crew and they were chatty and they were funny with each other. There was some of that at least, especially remember when they go down the river on the, in the barrels and mm. everything. It was like, like it was like fun and they're having fun with each other. In this one, because it focuses so much on fighting in the big battle, 
There was no speaking between them. They didn't. I see. I think I don't see it the way you do. I see it more like it was focused on the king guy. The battle, I don't give a shit about, so I kind of just. And that was yeah, but that was the thing. It was focused on the king guy, and that was actually the most interesting part of this entire movie. Like, the king guy is um, holed up with all this gold, and it, like most in Tolkien's work, he gets kind of greedy, greedy, and and a little bit mad about, like, not mad, angry. Right, and they focus a lot on that. And it was cool, and I, I liked that exploration into that character. And like him going down, and Bilbo trying to like fix him in a way, like you know, look, come on. You to be gotta- honest, there's not that much Bilbo. There's not that much Hobbit in this movie. He does some key things, but as far as like being on a journey with the Hobbit, this movie subtracts a whole bunch of that to me. And that was the thing. So all that, I, re- I kind of like that middle part where they were kind of saying, oh, you know, and then he's, and then like, holy crap. Yeah, but it's the exact same story that we had in the first one, where the guy wants to kill the guy because whatever, and then he changes his It is, but you can't change what Tolkien wrote. I know, but I'm saying it's the same theme, so it doesn't make it interesting. But I I enjoyed all that part, is what I'm saying. I enjoyed the intricacy of it. I enjoyed, like, seeing him, like, going, oh, yeah, we'll we'll go to war. I choose war. And you're like, how? It's only, like, six of you. What the hell's going on here? Like, it just felt mad. Like, and I was like, that's really cool. But then the war starts, and. You know, 10 minutes of that battle, I was enjoying it. And then it just started to go and go and go and go. And then these two had a fight and then these two had a fight and then these two had a fight. And I was like, can we just like cut the wall like just for a second and have some exposition? Yeah, but then you can't have that. You can't can't have that. And that's that's the problem. That's why I felt a bit. Oh, and then I thought to myself, okay, when this battle's over, we're going to have some really cool drama parts. But there is none. It, It ends. The movie ends. No, there's lots of drama. There's the and the and yeah, all that's action and, to me. It's oh, that's action. not action. There's like loads of drama, right? That's the whole thing. Yeah, but it's it's not it's not deep. Is there's no like I love game. Why I like Game of Thrones is they can spend twenty minutes sat in a room around a table talking strategy or right. But in about, this, he just uses their dialogue and looks at each other, and you can feel the drama. That, but this is why I felt having the felt fight flat. It just felt like, here's loads of action. Can you not focus on two things at once? Like, I can't focus on a battle and a dramatic conversation? <laughs> They're just too little, the dramatic parts. The battle is more of it. Yeah, I it's get 90% it. But there's battle, also lots 10, of drama going 10% on. 10% drama. Yeah, but I, it's, it's lost because the battle. The battle. Oh, we yeah, the battle's hard. But here comes the battle again. The battle again. You know, and here's some people running away. And, oh, and now we'll... You know, there's this little subplot with this Weasley kind of guy who, who tries to get out of the battle by dressing as a woman and yeah. stuff. Could have done it's supposed to be cheeky. Completely. It just seemed really out of place. That seemed out of place. That was like that was like, well, what's this comedic crap in the middle here? Like it, we were having. No, he's series. always got that. Think about all the movies. There's always some sort of that, that. just seemed, and that character seemed very useless to me and, and pointless totally. almost. Because he never redeemed. He never turns into a good guy. He doesn't sacrifice himself. Nothing. It's, it's not, just, and it's not like oh, he's in there because he's somebody you love from all the other movies. Because he's not like it's just like comic relief. That's all he was, and he wasn't particularly funny. So there's a lot of complaints I have, and I sound like I hated this, but I thought it was fun overall. But it doesn't stop my the Hobbit trilogy. Is just okay to me, whereas I like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And we did go back and watch, rewatch the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and yes, it does suffer from really dodgy special effects. But aside from that, it's a really cool um, 
you know, you don't fantasy. There's not a lot of fantasy stuff like this. Hmm. I can think of Game of Thrones and the and the Hobbit. There well, isn't it depends a lot. on your what your what your definition of fantasy is. I mean, like, this kind of me- um, what do you call it? Medieval. Because Twilight um, is fantasy. No, I'm talking more of the swords and um, right, but it's all fantasy. If you've got superheroes or um, yeah, I'm just thinking this specific genre, whatever this is, um, not superheroes or any of that, or Twilight even. You don't think that's fantasy? <laughs> I think it is, but I'm sorry, this is called fantasy. Um, that it always medieval fantasy or so. It is a very specific genre that Game of Thrones and The Hobbit is, and there's not a lot of it. There really isn't a lot of it. There's a new show on um, History Channel called Vikings, which mm-hmm. is similar to a lot of um, Game of Thrones, but about Vikings, which seems interesting to me. And that's another one where you would, it fits into this kind of, you know, battles and yeah. But there isn't a lot of it. Um. And I did see an interview with Peter Jackson where he said, I, there's no way I would do any more Tolkien. And then I saw another one, because I've been watching a few this week, where he said, yeah, I'm really emotionally attached to Tolkien, so perhaps I would do some more. So we'll see what he does Shocking. next. I'm shocked. Yeah. Of course so, he will. No, we'll see. He might not do it next. He might. I, I'll, I'm looking forward to what he does next, to be honest. Like, he's not, probably won't go straight back into Tolkien. He'll probably do something else. Which is good, I think, because... He's made some really brilliant films that are not Tolkien stuff. Heavenly Creatures being one of them. Um, it's an amazing film. And not unlike this kind of thing, you know? It's more of a small drama movie. There's I don't a good know. Film. My brain isn't like yours. Because he has such an, a fantasy element to everything he does. That that element of non-reality. Not just a fictional story. And that's his brilliance. Heavenly that... Bodies has some weird fictional stuff Heavenly stuck creatures. in it. Heavenly creatures. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it does it as the imaginary castle world that pops up. Right. So that is a fantasy thing to me. It's and not that's... all about the drama. And that's one of the things I like about Peter Jackson, that, that kind of fantasy element. And this movie did touch on it slightly, where the king was having the... Where he think mm-hmm. the, the, the gold... Um... Was gobbling him up. Yeah, that, kind of, <laughs> that was very Peter Jackson. And that was... When that scene was happening, I was like, yeah, this is what I miss about Peter Jackson, that stuff. Where it's a little bit unhinged and weird. Like, you know, you're inside somebody's mind, or it's like the crazy camera angles. The True. He did do that a little bit, but then he went back, you know, to just standard Lord of the Rings stuff. So moving on to the cast, I won't dwell on the cast much, because it's all the same cast as we've had through the last three movies that we've discussed. But I do think Martin Freeman was, is a good Bilbo Baggins. I really do. I think he had, adds a lot to it. I agree. Um, he's very... I don't know. I feel the emotion from him, even though I'm like, you know, all these characters I don't feel the emotion from, but him I do. like. I, I don't feel like I feel as much as I do from Green Street Hooligans guy in the other one. You know? Because I think he is... I think he was really into it. He felt really into it to me. Hmm. Did you not like him? Gandalf. I'm not going to tell. <laughs> I don't think he's a great actor, no. I, d- I think that that's his role to be... Thought, I thought he was really good in that, though. I thought he, he felt really into it. Like, he was like... This he was, was into it, but it felt sort of... I don't know. Not not dramatic to me. More like theatrical. I feel like Martin Freeman's very dramatic. Like, he's a drama person. And he really takes it seriously. 
And that's what he was doing. And and, and more of a TV movie kind of performance, which I do prefer versus theatrical. Yeah. Whereas, what's his name? It's not Bilbo. <laughs> How can we forget his name? Ring Boy. And all I can think of is uh, Sin City. <laughs> I've got so many like Hobbit you know names and stuff. Right, right <laughs> yeah, now. he's like the main yeah. Hobbit. Whatever his name is. That guy. Yeah, that guy. Not Samwise. Samwise is my favorite character from all of the, all of the movies. Pippin. I like Pippin. Don't know the main guy. Nah, I don't. I mean, it's <laughs> fine, but he's, no, don't know the main guy. But he was very. He's very theatrical. There are very tiny moments, but that's bigger. He's. It's a bigger performance, and I'm. I've never been a huge fan of that sort of. You know. I just thought of the... Um, so I prefer Martin Freeman as The Hobbit. I thought of the tie between Game of Thrones and The Hobbit. I mean, Game of Thrones and the Lord of the Rings movies. Okay. Both of them, Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings, has Sean Bean die in the first episode. <laughs> or first, first season of Game of Thrones... First episode of <laughs> Lord of the Rings. So, there's your Spoiler! <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> oh, sorry. If you were, hadn't started the Game of Thrones yet. Yeah. Well, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, but still, some people might be saving it up. Hopefully you didn't. <laughs> just unlisten to what you just heard. Ian McKellen plays Gandalf. He just plays Gandalf again. Yep. It's not really a big deal. Nope. I put down the dwarves because I've still no clue who anybody is. <laughs> so I wrote the dwarves. There's a load of dwarf guys. I know guys. that they're individually important. Oh, and Doctor but... Who plays a part in this. Very, very small again, like with his hat on, flying. Who? The, do- the Doctor Who, the one with the celery. What are you talking about? In this movie, The Hobbit, the character Sylvester McCoy, who played a Doctor Who in the past, is in this movie very briefly. What do you mean with the rabbits? With the rabbits. Okay. That guy. But like... It's nothing. It's, but in the extended version, I have a feeling. Yeah, I feel feeling there's more to it. Because yeah. they just sort of swoop in. And yeah, and you're like, why? why? And you get, you're like, yeah, I remember him from the last movie. It was awesome. Yep. But there he is. Well, yeah. he wasn't awesome, but... He's awesome. one of my favorite things in the last movie. Um, Orlando Bloom plays Legolas again. He's more intense. You know what I noticed about the Legolas? Um, he just blinks normal this time. Like, he, like in the other movies, he couldn't blink. Only when he was... That was part of Legolas. And it was in the extended cuts. I don't remember that. Yeah, he doesn't blink. His eyes are always open. If you notice that mm-hmm. it's part of his it's part of his makeup, it's something to do with him. He only blinks when he's in fear. Or but in this movie he was just blinking normally and I was like, is that before is that because something happened to him that I don't know about that he can't blink anymore? Because in this one he was just blinking normally. Yeah, and my ears are my question. How long has it been? How long since this thing Yeah, I'm not sure either. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Because we know that the ring has kept Bilbo from aging. Yeah. And that hobbits don't age as fast, I guess. And then he is aging slower because he's actually really, really super old. Yeah. That's why Hank, the ring keeps him younger. I mean, he's aged, obviously. Obviously. Because he's not Martin Freeman anymore. <laughs> but how many years has it been? That's what I want to know. Um, and then, yeah, I don't know. And here's how confused I am. Okay, so now we've got two mountains, right? Lord yeah. of the Rings, they go into one mountain Mount where the Doom. dwarves built everything because uh-huh. they say that the dwarves did this or whatever. And then there's a mountain in this one. There where... is a mountain in this one. <laughs> that looks just like Mount Doom. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it, It's almost like they just got that concept out and stuck the same one up. Because ah, at first I was like, is that Mount That's Doom? That's what I'm saying. Hmm. Is it, it might different? Be. That's my, I need to look at the map and I need to read these books. Cause... I, I would say it is. 
but it's not really explained in the movie at all. It's like, hey, look, there's a mountain that looks like a mountain that you might have seen before. Now, people who know this story really well are like, these people are idiots. How can they not understand what's going on? Evangeline Lilly plays Toriel. I really like her in this, you know, and I hated her in Lost. Yeah, I really, she's way better now than she was. She's good in this. Yeah, yeah. not very. And and she is literally a made up. She she angers all the Lord of the Rings fans because Peter Jackson made her up, right, and put her in there. Right. Uh, mainly because I watched an interview with him this week. The reason he put her in there was because he likes the actress and he'd auditioned her, but he didn't have a part for her. And then he was like, oh, she could make a good elf. What a weird thing. So he wrote a complete character that doesn't exist in Tolkien's work at all. But for me, as not a mega Tolkien fan, so it doesn't offend me in any way, I quite enjoyed her. Like, I thought she was good. You know when I said to you earlier about... If I actually had to feel something in this movie and I didn't feel like the deaths of major characters at all, like I, just, I was just like, okay, there's another one gone. Her, with a, and what it yep. is, it's a very brief love story and it's very obvious, but I did feel there was a moment where she well, was. What's been going on the whole time? Yeah, I know, but I mean, it's it's not complicated or anything. It's like. Unfor- it's forbidden love. Yeah. But there was a moment in this, and she wasn't really saying anything. She, mm. It was just a look. I was like, yeah, that is exactly what she's. You know, I, I get it with her. And yeah, so, she was way better. Yeah, she really was. I And I'm surprised because in the last I really, yeah, Couldn't she hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Benedict Cumberbatch, I put down, who played Smog, And he's just the voice, obviously. Um, but they did do his face as well, didn't they? They um, his, his face is actually in the dragon. Like the movement yeah. of his face. They captured all the points in his face. So uh, this is directed by Peter Jackson. You know Peter Jackson. King Kong. Um, Lord of the Rings. He... I don't know him personally, but I'm aware that he's made other movies. <laughs> yes. You know, and I've been a fan of Peter Jackson. One some of my recommendations here. I've been a fan of Peter Jackson since he before he was like anybody knew who he was. I remember I was so excited to see one of his early movies. I like queued up at the cinema to go and see it. So like you know, nobody knew who he was. Nobody. It was just. This New Zealand filmmaker making these cheap horror movies. Um, I'm more of a fan of his early work than I am of this of his newer stuff. I'm almost glad that The Hobbit is wrapped up now. But then again, if he does a press release soon where he says, hey, I'm going to be making this new Middle Earth thing, I'll, I'll be like, uh. You know, what's to stop him making a Middle Earth saga that is completely wrote by him? Just using the world of the Middle Earth, you know? Like, it doesn't have to be based on a Tolkien book, does it? He can also just make up his own story. That's what I'm saying. I mean, a whole new world. No, what I'm saying is, if he's so interested in doing uh, Tolkien's world, what about telling an original tale in Tolkien's world? No, you don't do that. That'd be like you saying that fan fiction from Star Wars is fine. You don't agree with that. Well, I don't consider Peter Peter Jackson just a fan. No, I'm saying. Wingnut films own the franchise and everything, you know. Yeah, but still... If George Lucas didn't think of it or make it up, you're not as interested in it. Hmm. True? That's what I'm saying. I don't think it... I don't know. I don't know about that with this, because it's an awesome world, the actual world. But what else can he do? Bad guys, good guys, taken over... I mean, kind of wrung out, isn't it? Mm. I'm not sure about that. I'm sure there's more to it than... I'm sure you could come up with something else. And if he wants to come up with something else, 
I would rather him do something interesting like that than there's a bit more text of the Middle Earth stuff left, but it's like the it's the last meat on the bones. You know what I mean? He's picked off the best stuff. So you're if you're looking at the other stuff that Tolkien wrote, you're looking at the side stories and the stuff that wouldn't be as exciting as any of this. So mm-hmm. So there are extras on this Blu-ray. There is Recruiting the Five Armies, which is really I liked it. It's like a little featurette, it's like ten minutes. But it's about the extras who make up a lot of this movie, to be honest. If you think about it, there's extras a in lot. almost every scene, like and it's like a it's like a them on the set, the extras, clowning around a little bit and showing you what they have to do, the makeup chair they have to go in. Um there's also completing Middle Earth, which is it's like a retrospective of the 17 years that it took to make these six movies. And it's really cool because you get to see Peter Jackson in various... Um, he lost a load of weight and then he gained a load of weight and then he lost a load of weight. You know, he, he very varies in size throughout the whole featurette. But it's cool to see that the cast even had themselves tattooed. <laughs> like the actual Fellowship of the Ring. All, all of them had themselves tattooed. I don't during... know about all of them. We saw about five people. But that was cast and crew. Yeah. Um, there's also, there's, there's a song at the end of this movie called The Last Goodbye. So you can actually see the music video. And it's Pippin from um, the first trilogy. He sings it. And then there's the New Zealand Home of Middle Earth Part 3, which we know you've all been waiting for. <laughs> and that's the tourist video for New Zealand, basically. <laughs> we didn't about, watch that. It's on the opposite disc. No, so we didn't watch it. I put the new disc in and it's on the actual disc with the movie. So, um, yeah, there are a bunch of extras, but like any Hobbit release or Middle Earth release, there will be an extended cut coming, probably at Christmas for this one. And that one will probably have nine or ten hours of special features because that's how Peter Jackson does it. So only this copy is for the theatrical version of the film, and there are a few extras. But if you want like the whole complete package, you want, you know wait down the line and there'll be a super duper version around Christmas time. So, uh, in conclusion, you want to wrap up the Hobbit trilogy? Um, if you have about nine hours yeah. of life where you just want to just, you have to, well, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. I don't find it that satisfying overall. Individual little nuggets. I do like Martin Freeman. I liked Evangeline. I like... The idea, kind of, but I still don't get the whole thing. I don't, you know... Maybe you need to watch it again. I wouldn't mind, and you know how I would watch it again. And this doesn't sound like a good way to watch it, but if it's on TV or I'm doing something else and have it on, I almost feel like, because then I don't have to focus on what you call the fatigue moments, where it's just like slash, 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 bang, 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 slash, okay, 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 okay. Oh, then I will make, make sense that I might listen to something different. I don't know. I think I just... I watch these movies like you read. I just sort of skim over it. <laughs> Unfortunately, my mind wanders even sometimes while I'm watching. It's terrible because there are movies where I am so committed to what's happening, uh, time disappears. We'll get to the end of some movies and I'm like, it's over? Like, oh, no, no, I've been sucked into that world. and That's actually funny. and It's not a brilliant thing, but we were watching the latest episode of Powers this week. <laughs> it's not a brilliant program no. or anything. But don't, even say, don't even say it's not brilliant. It's not even close to brilliant. This week's episode was so compelling for me. I was interested in it. <laughs> yeah. It felt like it was on for about three minutes. I it was, was over like, and you're like, it's going to be over. 
Yeah, like, so there are certain things that can suck you in. And, and this just, doesn't, and this yeah, is my problem with it. Not for However, me superficially, it is fun. It's got, like, those moments of, like, rising up and being good. You know, the hobbits are always the good ones. They're, even if they're challenged or they get a temptation, they represent the best of us. Because everybody else, if you think about it, hobbits and humans, we got nothing. We got no powers. We're not wizards. We're not orcs with our crazy toughness. We're not elves with our weird superpowers. We're not dwarves even with our like exceptionally strength and architectural skills or whatever the hell they got. Engineering skills, right? We don't have any of that. I mean, we do, but we don't. We're just the... So the humans and the hobbits have to like make those decisions, which while it's not an original idea at all, being tempted and choosing good over bad or... no. Having to make a bad decision, but for the greater good, that kind of stuff, is always compelling if it's done well. And you get those little tiny nuggets, because Martin Freeman does it well in this, where it's absolute that Bilbo Baggins is not going to do the wrong thing. He's just not. And it, it's not even based on his own little Shire world. It's based on everything, you know? And I think I think that is a little thing to pluck out that I really enjoy. Reminds me a bit of Saul from Better Call Saul. <laughs> Better Call Saul's so good. But it reminds me of, you know... I don't know if you remember me saying before we started the first episode, I may not watch this with you because it doesn't sound that interesting. But he's going to do the right thing. Inside awesome. him is the right thing. Like he's. But he doesn't. And then until pushed, because he but, wasn't going to... But he does have this... Yeah. I've got to... And that is compelling if done the right way. Yeah. So um, thank you to Warner Brothers for the Blu-ray. If you want to enter a contest, we've got some new ones coming up this week. Go to ascully.com. Next week's Blu-ray review, and we've gone from big one to big one to big one because we did Hunger Games, Hobbit, and next week is Interstellar, uh, Christopher Nolan's huge um, sci-fi movie, which I'm excited for. been a long time since we've seen a Christopher Nolan film. The last Batman one, actually. Yeah. Um... Which seems ages ago. The Dark Knight? No. The Dark Knight Rises. So, uh, movie recommendations. I'm going with two old Peter Jackson films that most people probably haven't seen. He used to be a horror director before he was Lord of the Rings director. And he made these two movies. I'm not saying they're brilliant, but in terms of horror movies, if you like gory, kind of bloodthirsty horror movies, they are really cool. First one is Bad Taste. The premise of Bad Taste is just the best thing in the world anyway. <laughs> no, it's not the best. I really like the premise of it. That it's not new and original either. It's just weird. There are some aliens. Don't tell them. Spoiler, if you've not seen it. Is it you... Doesn't it tell you in the first few minutes? No, you don't find that out until you no, find out what's going on. I've seen it so on. many times. It just. All right, Bad Taste. Got a really good premise. It's really cool. It's... Made on literally. These are very big statements. It's got a really cool premise. Like that's very bad taste. Uh, subjective. Was literally made on a shoestring budget. He made it with his friends over weekends over this period of years. It's done really on the cheap. If there's like some blood and stuff, I see interview Peter Jackson. He like did things like steal kidneys and liver out of his mum's fridge. Because they wanted to explode something and have guts fly out of it. So like he was nicking the dinner from his mum. He was. It was very, very cheap. But it is really fun, and it's done better than most horror mm. films that you see, I think. Because Peter Jackson trademarked this. He just had this like style of camera work and stuff. And Bad Taste has all that, but if you really want to see it in action, and this is my second recommendation, it's Dead Alive, mm -hmm. which is actually called 
dead alive in the States, but brain dead in England. And that was him at the peak of his horror. It was a big budget kind of for a, for a horror movie. Comedy horror movie. Think of it more. It's kind of like Shaun of the Dead, that kind of like tongue in cheek. It's silly. Everybody's getting sick of some kind, falling apart. It's very silly, but it is. I think it's still the most bloodthirsty. Very evil deadish, yeah. Film I've ever seen. I mean, there's buckets and rivers of blood towards the end of it. It gets crazy. I don't think I've seen anything that goes that. Aside from the new Evil Dead that we watched, the remake, which really yeah. goes over the top with blood. Um, but yeah, so Bad Taste and Dead Alive. And yours are? Mine are two movies I don't believe I've ever seen. Because I was really reaching on this one. I wasn't inspired. I wasn't really thinking about it. I think you should just watch them all. Like, watch all of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and just get it over with. You know? But my recommendations are, because I was thinking of Christopher Lee... Knowing that you have said, oh, you know, horror movies, long time, long time. So I looked him up. 1948, there's a movie called Corridor of Mirrors. Which, like, the tagline is, um, he falls in love with a woman and then starts to get the sneaking suspicion that they've been in love in another life. But I have not seen it. I don't know what else there is to it. But it's 1948 and it's a horror movie and it's got, like, a really cool cover with this woman, like... In white, all white makeup, white clothes, and like a weird mirror looking, you know, how the 1940s movie posters. So there you go. Corridor of Mirrors and Crimson Pirate. Another one where he's not the star in it. Yeah. Burt Lancaster stars in it. It's like a comedy swashbuckling. This is 1952, height of the swashbuckling, I believe, uh, where they decide to go to the revolution in the Caribbean, like as a fun little romp. So I just think that sounds really funny. So yeah. there you go. All right, so games and A-Scully stuff. I've been playing pretty much one game all week. And that is the new Resident Evil game, Resident Evil Revelations 2. Um, I'm really having fun with it a lot. It's, um, it's on PlayStation 4. That's where I'm playing it. Um, it's got a story mode, and it's broken into four separate episodes. Actually, six episodes, but four of them are the main story. Um, so it's like a TV show. You play through, you know, like a Telltale game where you play an episode and them, but they're not released over a series of weeks. They're just all there when you buy it. Um, so it's four episodes and then two bonus episodes at the end, which are like side spin-off stories. But it's cool because it's like, why it's, why I really like it is it's characters that you know, like Claire Redfield, Jill Valentine, um, Barry Burton, from all the old Resident Evil games that you know and love. Well, they've actually got... Because it, some of those characters actually died in Resident Evil, but this is before all that, so they've gone back a bit. It's between five and six. Uh, and basically, Claire wakes up on this island. She's in this cell, in this prison block. She's got this um, bracelet on that can communicate with her. She has no idea why she's there. She's been knocked out unconscious. She comes to light and... She has to un, un, you know, unravel this mystery. Meanwhile, Barry Burton, who is Claire's, well, Jill's partner in the Stars police force, he's coming to try and rescue them. So you're playing both sides. You're playing Claire and you're playing Barry. So you'll play a but you'll play a level as Claire, and she's fighting her way through this, you know, these zombies. It's Resident Evil. She's fighting her way through this prison block. And then the next level will be Barry fighting his way through the exact same prison but but looking for her. So it all, you go, oh, there's that room we've just been in. It kind of all twigs mm-hmm. with you. It's like, oh, I know the layout here now when I'm playing as Barry. 
So it makes it... I don't know, there's something about that when you play it from two different sides. It's like, oh, here's that room. I, I know what happened in this room with her. And then you'll see some blood on the wall and go, oh, that's where she fell over and hurt her leg. So it all fits together like that. It's... I think the main selling point for this, though, is there's something called raid mode. And it's like, it's not a multiplayer mode. It's a single player mode that you play on your own. And it's really addictive. I sat there and played it all afternoon the other day. What it is, is like, it's it's a high score thing. It puts you in an arena and there's a certain amount of enemies. And you get bonus points for killing them in creative ways or like headshots. And you've got to survive like an onslaught. And it puts you in the, a different map and there are like treasure chests in the map and in the treasure chests are random things so it's always this like diablo or something like that this hunt for random oh there might be a better gun in that chest let me just do it again because i got a really cool gun like it's that kind of thing so right. you're building you're building up your characters and you're getting better stuff every single time you do it it gets harder as it goes on there's tons of levels tons of different characters once you finish the story, the raid mode would keep you occupied for a long time if you're really into it. So that's Resident Evil Revelations 2. It's out now. Um, the best thing about it is it's 25 bucks for the entire game. Like it's Capcom, like experimenting with pricing. Uh, it would have been a $60 game in the past, but no, it's $25 for the entire thing. You know, and it's a proper game. It's a 20-hour story and a raid mode that you could play forever, basically, you know, if you really like it. So that's that. There's also a, um, there's a sale on. It's on till next Friday, actually. So if I mention it now, you can go and get these two games. But yeah, it's like a sale on the PlayStation Network. And these are the two games I'd recommend. One's called Tennis in the Face. If you like Angry Birds, it's kind of like Angry Birds, but you're a tennis player. And you've got to... It's about physics. Like, you hit the ball and you have to knock over a certain... They're not birds in this first level. They're clowns. But you've got to knock them over by using rebounds and stuff. It's like it's very much like Angry Birds. Now, the cool thing about it is it, it costs $5. But in this sale, it's 20 cents. <laughs> and it's a PS4 game. That's so funny. Well, this is the even cooler bit. It's 20 cents, right? So you get it on the PS4. You also get the Vita and the PS3 version. <laughs> so you get all three versions for 20 cents, which is a it's a bargain. And it's a cool game. Yeah, that's a bargain. You think 20 cents is a bargain? It's just a bargain, isn't it? I mean, if you sold me a potato for 20 cents, I'd probably be like, cool, bargain. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think I value food more than games. So there you go. That's my... Go and the other game, and this is a really cool game, and I've <laughs> mentioned it before. I actually own it on Steam already. But this is Surgeon Simulator 2015. And this is the like director's cut of Surgeon Simulator on the PS4. And Surgeon Simulator is this silly game where you have to operate on people, but it's like comedy. It's like replace That's this. Hilarious. It's like replace this guy's heart, but the funniness of it is the controls are really awkward. So like you have control of the guy's five fingers on both hands, and they're all individually controlled by different buttons. So you've got to like. You know, the, the comedy of it is it's very hard to grab anything. So when you need to grab a scalpel to cut the guy to take the heart out, it is not going to go very well. There's nobody who can do it good because it's really hard to control. So it actually leads to loads of funny moments. But um, Surgeon Simulator 2015, it's a $20 game. At the moment in this sale, $0.91. Cents. <laughs> and it's on the PS4. 
it's a fantastic game. It's really fun. It would be worth $10. So for 91 cents, you can't lose. I sound like a shill for the PlayStation. <laughs> That's funny, though. But yeah, you know, I spent a dollar and ten cents and got two awesome games. So what's for dinner, Sid Talk? Tonight we're watching the new season of MasterChef from lovely UK. And somebody made a vegetable stew, like a Moroccan vegetable stew. I don't know if I have Moroccan it's spices. It's wasn't it? Tagine. Tagine. But... Uh, I will season it however I see fit, but it's vegetables, which we love. So I got corn and sweet potato and potato and carrot and uh, the broth will be like whatever, whatever comes out. Oh, I have like those veggie bouillon thingies and then some med- mm, mm, mushroom couscous that mm. you love so much. I know, you love it. And that's it. And your advice before we leave? Well, I was looking at my Facebook today, as I do, and as we all do, and I have a new, new 16-year-old niece. (laughs) My nephew got married to a young lady who has three children, and he has three children. So now I have three new... Mm. I don't think they're step-nieces and nephew, but uh, that's who she is. She's 16 years old. She wasn't my niece before, and now she is. Great niece, actually. And um, I was reading her stuff. She's a teenager. And she posted, like, one of those little blurby things that said... You know, if you don't, if your partner isn't faithful and they don't respect you and if they flirt and all this other stuff, you need whatever. And I said, define flirt and define respect and define faithfulness because your definition may not be the same as theirs. Mm. And that can cause you a problem. My first husband considered anything like I do everything myself. I mean, I'll just put it out there. I don't I, I don't rely on people too much to do many things. If I want something at the store, I go get it. If I want to make something, I try to make it. You do all my computer stuff. I'll give you that. <laughs> and all the companion stuff and all that good stuff. But I mean, like, if I'm in a store and I need to go ask the clerk for something, I go and ask, where's the bathroom? Or can you tell me what aisle something's in? And I'm friendly, you know. This was flirting. And I would get yelled at and yelled at. And one night he was so pissed on the way home in the rain. We had to walk everywhere because we had no money and no car. Took up his wedding, threw it in the gutter. It was raining, washes down the gutter, you know. And I'm always, I was always like dumbfounded. Like, I don't even know what you're talking about. I wasn't flirting. I asked the guy where, what, it was a video store, old school video, looking for a video. Just asked him where it was. And he pointed out every little movement of my face and my neck and my head and how that was flirting. And I'm like, no, it isn't. And there's nothing you could convince me that that's flirting. Not one single thing you could say to me. So if you have those conflicts, if you're young or if you're married for 20 years and you keep having this problem where you say to your person, you keep flirting. Well, they're not. Maybe they don't think that. If they or are, maybe they are. If they're flirting on purpose, then that's a whole other <laughs> issue. But your mind isn't right just because you think something is disrespectful doesn't make it disrespectful. If your person says or does something just flippant and has absolutely no meaning behind it and you take it super personally and you think you've been disrespected, maybe you're full of shit. (laughs) Like, maybe you are. I can't help it. And flirting is very subjective. And faithfulness is even subjective. I'm not saying that there's a line of like, hey, if you put your penis in another woman, eh, that may not be unfaithful. I don't know because I don't know the relationship everybody has. Some people might be in a relationship where one person seriously is not interested in sex at all and they've worked it out that, I, you know what, I get it. 
but we'll stay together forever. That's just the way it is. So in that relationship, that's not unfaithful. If you look at that relationship and decide it is, then that's your definition, not theirs. And if your person thinks that having sex with or flirting with, quote unquote, or kissing or going out with or having dinner with or going to movies with somebody else, in that in what you interpret as that kind of intimate relationship, but they don't think that's what it is, then maybe you just need to move on. Because you can't change either they're doing Are it on... Are you saying this person was getting at somebody else? I think she's young and there's a volatility mm. to youthful relationships. She has a boyfriend who's similar age. And there's that, like, so don't you flirt with my man. Well, she didn't say it. She just found it. Somebody else. Oh, those I, see, I see. I see. It was a meme thing, yeah. you know. Yeah. But it's, it's not definitive. And I, I don't care what anybody says. It isn't definitive. And if you decide for yourself what those things are and the other person doesn't agree with you, Either you work it out between you and say, well, you know what, for me, I would rather you didn't have friends with your, or lunch with your female friends because it just makes me uncomfortable. And if you were then to say, you know what, I get it. I'll respect that. I don't agree with that because I have, I, I have no intentions with them, but I, I'll tell you what, that's fine. That's, that's cool with me. But if you resist and you say, fuck that, I'm going to have lunch with whoever I want. And I still sit over here going like... He's having lunch with women. He's he's unfaithful to me. Well, then you shouldn't be together. No. You know? So those are things that just because maybe you're from a community or a small culture where some things are defined very clearly, you think, that doesn't mean that's how the rest of the world and every individual sees those things. And if in your in intimate relationship those things don't hook up, then you shouldn't be in that relationship, I don't think. All right then. Good so, advice on the beginning and the end. I'm great. I'm two, two, two lots of advice this week. <laughs> so remind you about our website, sayschooler.com. Sitter.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. Catch this podcast on Stitcher.com. Search for After the Show. iTunes Music Store, Zoom Marketplace, all the RSS feed. Just go to sayschooler.com. Click on the word podcast. Email feedback to me at sayschooler.com. Don't forget to enter the contest on the site. And don't email Sid Talk because she really hates all but, of you. If you're interested, if you don't know what Sid Talk is, C-I-D-T-A-L-K, you can go there. It's just me you talk. talking more. And I will post occasionally. I'm going to try more now with the growing my stuff, my seedlings and all that stuff. And the painting that I'm trying, paintings I'm trying to work on that I'm really scared of. So if you want to read me talking, I don't do any videos, but it's just pictures and me typing out shit. <laughs> and uh, finally, um, stay- I'm swearing. They're swearing. Yeah. <laughs> Stay classy, Mr. Peter Jackson. I'm really interested to see what he does next. Maybe he'll retire. I'm sure he made some money. He's not going to retire. How much oh money do you God. think he made? doesn't matter. Kevin Smith didn't retire. He's not going to retire. Uh, I wouldn't put them in the Harrison same. Ford didn't retire. He said he was going to, but he didn't. So, you know, they're all just what they are. There's people. And I'm going to say think for yourselves. Because if you don't do it, somebody else is going to do it for you. <laughs> <laughs>